Well, with that thought and those words in our mind, oh, first, though, children, as you see from the slide above, you are dismissed for Children's Church. So any guests visiting us today, um, you are welcome to have your kids go to Children's Church. They meet in that back corner um, just outside in the foyer, so you'll find the teachers there. All right, well, with those words of that last song, the incredible truth that we're invited into family to be sons and daughters of the living God. I just pray that the magnitude and the amazingness of that truth will re-hit you again today. So pray with me as we uh, go into the message time. Oh Lord, what a, what a beautiful day. Oh Lord, we praise you that your word tells us that you, you knit us together in our mother's womb, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord, that you see us and you create us and you know us. And so, Lord, what a blessing to see these beautiful children we saw today. Lord, the privilege this congregation has, has had to partner with them. And, oh, Lord, we just pray again that each one of these children will come to know how much you love them and will live their lives fully for you. And, Lord, that you will give these parents just incredible wisdom in these complicated days to raise them. Oh, God, we just thank you for them. And, Lord, just your blessing on this church, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would give us wisdom to truly walk and be spiritual family together and as we support each other and walk together. Oh, God, we need your power and your courage and strength. So, Lord, thank you that you invite us into family. God, God it's, I, I have to admit, I don't understand how you as almighty, creative God, that you can look at us as mere mortals, us as mere humans, and yet call us sons. Call us daughter. Call us family. And Lord, we know it's not something that we can earn or that we deserve. We know it's a miracle. But Lord, I pray today, I just ask Holy Spirit that you will pour out in power and reveal either new or anew to everyone gathered here today that they are worth so much because they're your child. They're no longer slaves to anything. They are your children. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you reveal that by your power? And I ask and pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning again, spiritual family. Are you glad that you're a part of a family? And are you glad that you're a part of spiritual family? That's where we're going to go a little bit today. So our series that we've been in over the last months is that you see on the screen, been called Healthy Church, Biblical Church. And so as as in this part of our transitional journey as a church, we've been wanting to focus on many of kind of the key and foundational topics of who we are as a church in order to walk towards healthy church and biblical church. So today, again, we're going to look at spiritual family. Now, just before we talk about spiritual family, though, on a day like today, we can't help but talk about the wonders of family. We've been seeing the wonders of family. Many of us experience the wonders of family. So when I started my research for this message... The first thing I did was a deeply spiritual and deeply academic pastoral thing. I went on the net to discover what are the top 10 things that families fight about. All right. Okay, just so you know where all your credible teaching is coming from. So this is just from the internet, so I don't know if this will be true of your family or not. Let's have some fun with it. Top 10 things family fight about. Number 10, whose fault it is. Endless discussions, right? Being rude or disrespectful. Yelling in the house and for mums especially, kids not eating what took hours to prepare, 
And then this is one of my pet peeves, dirty dishes left in random spots. Okay, now, I don't know about you, but I mean, there, I remember times when all my four kids were still living at home, opening up the cupboard to get a cup, and it's like, there's no dishes in this house. Like, what's the deal? And then I would take a tray and do the round of bedrooms. See, bad enabling parent. Parents never do. And man, I had a full dishwasher by the time I came back to the room. <laughs> okay, anyway, number five. Here we go, slamming doors. My wife's still mad at me about that. Leaving lights on, every grumpy father in the room. Um, okay, how about this morning when you were getting ready for church? Someone not ready when it's time to leave. <laughs> Any family fights about that? Maybe. I don't know about TV too loud, but hey, you know. And for sure, the number one answer, kids. Well, actually, everybody. Get off your phone. <laughs> how many of you have families where mom or dad makes you put away the phone at mealtimes? None of you? We're terrible families, can't believe it. <laughs> all right, well, all of our families are unique, and we certainly all fight about different things. But what I want you to think about today, even in this topic of family, is have you ever thought about Jesus just growing up in a regular, ordinary human family? Right? I mean, at Christmas... We, we talk about what we call the incarnation, which is that miracle that God became human and dwelt among us. And that is incredible. It's amazing that Jesus became human. But you, how much have you thought about Jesus growing up in a regular human family? Now, when you think about it from Scripture, we, know, we, we don't know much about Jesus' about childhood, right? I mean, we hear the birth account. We hear about um, his parents having to take him away to Egypt and bring him back to safety. We read um, when Jesus is, is taken to the temple as a child and dedicated to the Lord. Good Sunday to be thinking about that story and how those two prof the prophet and a prophetess um, blessed Jesus and declared him to be Messiah at his dedication. Pretty amazing moment. So we know that about Jesus. Then we know nothing until he's 12 years old and his parents take him to Jerusalem to attend his first Passover. And then we hear that cool story about how he impresses all the leaders and then he gets lost and his parents can't find him, bit of family drama. But anyway, he gets home. But then nothing from 12 to 30. So think about it. From 12 to 30, we know nothing of Jesus' life, but he grew up in a very ordinary family. Mom, dad, brothers, and sisters. He had a bunch of them. He, yes, he was the oldest, but he had a lot of siblings. He had a large family, which is very common in that time. So think about that. Jesus, just growing up in a regular family, think about what his family thought about him. Now, who knows? We could speculate forever as to what Jesus was like as he got into his teens and 20s, but he was still human. So I can imagine there was still, like, who can picture Jesus being like a teenager? Like, that's just weird to think about, right? But he was, right? We just don't know anything about that stage of his life. And yet, can you imagine... And you're already reading ahead my text here, but that's okay. But can you imagine that how Jesus' family felt when Jesus' ministry started to take off? And all of a sudden, people are going, oh, this Jesus guy is amazing. Wow, this Jesus guy might be a prophet. <gasps> this Jesus guy might be the Messiah. Like, can you imagine being the younger siblings and go, really? Like, I knew him when dot, 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 right? Because he got all the dirt. So I just want you to try to get into the mindset of that and think about that for a moment. So anyway, um, Mark chapter 3 is the text you see in front of you, and it's this interesting, 
encounter that Jesus has with his family. So this is at a time when Jesus is already getting very popular. People are hearing about him. He's doing miracles. And so the crowds are crowding him. And it's even hard for him and his disciples to ever get away. So Jesus has been doing ministry um, in Judea, but now he kind of comes back to his home area. And so that's when we pick up this story in Mark chapter 3, verse 20. It says this. So then Jesus entered a house, and again, a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Okay, I don't know about you, but I find that kind of funny. I mean... Now, do any of you ever think of someone in your family and you declare they're out of their mind? Okay, so I know some of you are thinking of who that person is in your family. And just a little insight, if you can't think of who that person is, hmm. <laughs> anyway, what, what was going on here? Now, again, at first glance, we might be a little bit like, what is Jesus' family doing? Why don't they get it? Why are they, what are, you know? But again, imagine they saw Jesus grow up. They would think they know him better than anybody. And now he's traveling around preaching and teaching and apparently doing miraculous things and people are making all these bold declarations about him. It's just got to be weird. So who knows about the siblings? But even for all you mums out there, you got to have some compassion for Mary. Because think about it. As a mother, you're seeing your young adult son and it's like he's not even eating properly. He's so busy, he's not taking care of himself, he's not eating properly. The mother needs to care for that son who's not living properly. Most of you mothers are like that. So maybe you can relate. So again, and, and, and especially in that culture of that day, families took charge of each other. And so, yeah, there, there's lots going on here, but this is just a little picture into Jesus lived the tension of being a part of a normal human family and yet having this distinct call and this distinct person who he was. So, just, just wanted you to think, we're going we're gonna to come back to this, this story later. But now I want to move a little bit into, what is spiritual family? So, of course, all of us come from families. We come from all very, very unique families. Some of us have great family experience. Some of us, not so much. But we all have our story and our experience of family. But in Scripture, and because of what Jesus has done in the movement of Jesus... There has been something new, something that God had for his people called spiritual family. Now, I want to just show you a few uh, verses from the New Testament that a little bit define or give us a glimpse into what spiritual family means, and you see those before you. So let's start with uh, Galatians 9 that says, or no, sorry, Galatians 6, 9 to 10, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore... As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And then Peter, um, a couple verses from 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1, 2 says, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. And then later in 1 Peter chapter 5, Resist him, and that's talking about the devil or Satan or the enemy. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So from these verses, how, what can we see or understand to be the definition or what, what spiritual family is all about? 
Well, in all three of these verses, we see that spiritual family is a family of believers. So the idea of spiritual family is that you are joined together with others that also follow Jesus, the family of believers, and and that there's something special about that. Now, I think sometimes, I think we get a little bit confused because most of the time, I think you hear us pastors say, we need to love the world and love the lost and love people in the world. And that's absolutely true and absolutely true what the Bible teaches. But sometimes because we emphasize that so much, I wonder if somehow we almost like indirectly get the impression that loving each other as believers is just being a little bit too navel-gazing or inward-focused, and so therefore we're not missional. Now, again, does Scripture teach us very clearly that we need to love the world and love the lost and to reach out? Absolutely. But there's also Scriptures that say it's really important and that it's even priority for us to love and take care of the family of believers. So God, Jesus, is showing us how important spiritual family is. And I just, I just think it's, it's good to take note of that in balance as we think about the priority of spiritual family. These verses also show us that spiritual family is both local, meaning being a part of a localized family of believers, but that spiritual family is also global or worldwide. And, and Peter there talks about, hey, there's other believers around the world going through the same suffering. And you know, if that was true 2,000 years ago, it's even more true today. I don't know how many of you read about um, what Christians go through in so many countries around the world, but for us to ever think we know anything about persecution, we haven't got a clue. But, it, but it's so true, and so this is a good reminder that, yeah, yes, it's so important to care for our immediate spiritual family, but we are also connected globally to a larger spiritual family, and it's important for us to know and communicate and to care and to have that perspective. And again, to see from what it says in the scripture here that we are a part of that family of believers. We're to, we're to see them like family. It's quite challenging, isn't it? I want to show you another verse um, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. It says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God from whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Now, in the middle there, verse 11, where it starts with both, it says, both the one who makes people holy, okay, that would be Jesus, Now, don't stumble over the word holy in terms of thinking of it as sinless perfection. Holy means being set apart for God's purpose. So the one who sets apart, Jesus, who who made holy, or sorry, makes, but the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy, and guess what? Those are believers in Jesus. Those are Christians, people who are Jesus followers. If that's you, then... That's you. You are holy. You are set apart for God's purposes. So Jesus has made you holy, and you are of the same family. You are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Now, I 
already talked about this at the beginning and, and prayed it over you because this is such an exciting point to me. But can you get this again? If this is a new idea to you, this is what's incredible. Jesus calls you family. If you are a follower and a believer in Jesus, he calls you daughter and son. He calls you sister and brother. He invites you into intimate family. That's incredible news. And if this is something that you know, but we so often take for granted, can I encourage you and implore you and ask you again to allow the Spirit to reveal to you afresh and anew how amazing this is. We're invited into being family. And you know, when we get that we are invited into family, when Jesus is not ashamed, but he calls us brothers and sisters, that that makes our value soar. And that shouldn't lead us to any kind of pride or arrogance, but it should make our value soar. But you see, here's the problem. Most of us, and I say that because I'm one of them, we are so prone to not feeling valued. We are so prone to playing the comparison game, right? We're constantly comparing ourselves. And we can make ourselves feel better if we compare ourselves to people who we think are doing worse than us. But we probably spend most of our time feeling terrible about ourselves because we're comparing ourselves to other people who we think are either more successful than us or smarter than us or they have a better life than us or they are more spiritual than us or whatever. And we, and we can have that kind of of inner self-pity party, and then rather than understanding our value, that's not a reality. And so when we think of our spiritual lives, we don't think that God looks down on us with a smile, going, there's my daughter, I'm proud. There's my sister, there's my brother, there's my son, I'm proud. We hardly ever picture God that way. We picture him looking down on us like this. This is our normal picture of God. You're not measuring up. You're not doing enough. I'm disappointed in you. I don't think that's the biblical picture. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't think that we need to confess and repent of sin and deal with hurts and struggles and pain and wrongs in our life. Absolutely, we do. But the general attitude of our God, our Jesus who died for us and rose for the grave, sent his spirit, lives in us, calls us, that we are so valued that he calls us family. The scripture says we are no longer slaves. He no longer just calls us friends because friends don't know what he's up to, but he has called us family. He's called us sons and daughters and brothers and sisters. And that's our value. You see, if we don't understand our value, then sadly, we don't just hurt ourselves, we actually hurt the family. We hurt our spiritual family. See, here's why. The picture in scripture of spiritual family, or what we also sometimes call the church, is the body, or what is called the body of Christ. So the picture of what the body of Christ is supposed to work like is we're supposed to be a functioning body. And so every person that's a part of the body of Christ is a body part. So if you're a body part, and you're feeling sorry for yourself and feeling like I have no value... Sadly, you also hurt the body. Not only is God grieved because he loves you and values you so much that he's gifted you, but then you hurt the body because then we have inactive body parts. If we look around at each other and just go, oh, the important people are the ones that have certain gifts that are seen. 
um, or that are important in the church or in our culture, those people matter and have value. But, oh, pff, my gift, whatever. I'm just in the background. I don't matter. I have mu- don't have much to contribute. Can I just encourage you? Those are never thoughts from God. That is never what the Spirit would be saying to you. You are a body part, and no matter what body part you are, you are incredibly valuable to the body, and the body suffers, the spiritual family suffers if you don't operate and give in your body part. So I encourage you to embrace your value today, that we're family. This is the miracle of spiritual family, how much we're valued and how much we matter to each other because we're a part of the body of Christ. We're a body part. So I encourage you to value that deeply today and consider how much your family needs you. So, spiritual family. So now back to the story we started with in Mark chapter 3, where Jesus had to deal with his earthly or nuclear family. And so, uh, yeah, go down to chapter, Mark 3 down to verse 31, and let's see what happened at the end of this chapter. So it says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside, and they sent someone in to call on him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked out at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Hmm. It's kind of a surprise ending to a story of Jesus and his family. So what's Jesus saying here? Now, it would seem at first glance that is Jesus saying that family is unimportant? Well, I would suggest to you, I don't think Jesus is saying that. Now, a danger, and it's a little bit of, little bit of an aside, but there's a danger that we often do as followers of Jesus and people who love the word of God, is we do something called proof texting. And basically what proof texting is, is when you take one isolated verse or account and turn that into a teaching or a doctrine. You see, teachings and doctrines are supposed to come from all of Scripture, right? So the danger of proof texting is taking one event or one idea and right right away you have a conclusion and a theology or a teaching. So if we were just to take this passage, we might conclude that Jesus is anti-family, But if we are to look at the whole counsel of Scripture and all of Jesus' life, I think we find that, no, Jesus was not meaning by this that therefore family isn't good or important. However, Jesus was making a point in that moment of that little bit of family crisis about priorities. He was making a point that what he came to do was to create something new, what would end up being called the church and something called spiritual family that was supposed to be the way his followers lived and the priorities by which they lived by. So, when we think about this, and you see my discerning the tension here, there's a tension. Because I think there's a part of scripture that very much talks about the importance of nuclear family and extended family and caring for each other and, and nurturing each other spiritually, even as families. But there's also lots of scripture that talks about the importance of spiritual family 
So how do we, how do we live in this tension? Well, as you're thinking about that, I just want to make a few observations about you, Bridgeway Community Church. So again, if you're a guest with us today, my apologies, a little bit of in-house family. But this is probably true of lots of churches. But since I've been your transitional pastor, of course, a big part of what you have me do here is observe you. So I've been observing and observing for about a year now. Well, one of the things that I noticed very early on, and you're all going, well, duh, this is so obvious. But no, I, what I noticed very much early on was there's a, lot of, there's a lot of families in this church and a lot of families that enjoy being able to be together and worship together with multiple generations. And you know what? I think that's pretty cool. And I think that's, that's an, that, that is an awesome thing about your church. And I know that for many of you, being a part of, of a larger extended family is a really good thing. So bless you. That, that, that's good. Like every good, though, there also can be a shadow side if we don't recognize that. And, you know, as someone new, um, again, I've been the pastor, so it's really not fair. I haven't experienced it. But I've met several people and I'll just give you one, sort of one example, but I've met several people who, for example, say to me, I don't come to congregational lunches because it's just too uncomfortable to know where to sit. I feel too insecure about where to sit because when I come down those stairs and get my food and look around the room, it looks like everyone's got a family or a close friendship group to sit with and I feel like an outsider in my own church. Now, that's... Yeah, I mean, that again, that's just some people's experience. But what I want to encourage us with is let's have a heart and compassion for people that feel that way rather than being defensive or offended by that. Because let me say, if you um, have extended family and close friendship groups in this church and you never struggle with feeling left out or not included or where to sit or feel like people know you and you know them, that's great. That's awesome that you have that experience. But can I just ask you to consider those that are maybe feeling outside of that and would love to enjoy some of the beauty of your friendship circle or your family circle? You know, when we consider this tension, again, for some of you, if, you, if your family experience is awesome, you love your family, um, and, you know, that your family experience is awesome, well, then the tension here is that, yeah, like, Yes, I want to love and care about my spiritual family, but my family is really important to me too, and I, I get your tension, and that's okay. But, you know, for others who their family might be difficult, they might be estranged from their family, their, their experience of family may be more about hurt or pain. You know, for them, this message of Jesus that spiritual family can now be your family, that, that's really good news. That's, that's something that they would just have a different tension with. So again, it's, it's what I'm encouraging us as a spiritual family now is let's just reach out to each other with compassion. And again, those of you that enjoy family and close friendship groups, again, can I just encourage you? Think about how you're coming across to others and, and be intentional about inviting people in to some of the joy and beauty that you experience in the joy of family. And let them feel and experience a bit of that and to know what spiritual family is supposed to be. That could be such a good thing and encourage you. And, and, you know, for some of us that maybe at times feel like we're on the outside, you know, let's also be careful that we can celebrate with families, you know, and not secretly be judgy. Let, let's have a little bit of grace and understanding, too, that families love each other. 
But let's just be honest and open about these things so that they, they don't have to be tensions. They can be opportunities to truly sacrifice and be spiritual family together. To, to, to love the family that God's given us, but also to love and honor and bless and prioritize the spiritual family that Jesus modeled and called us to. So, my spiritual family here at Bridgeway, as I've kind of messed with you a little bit today, I, at the same time, I hope, I hope you hear my love for you. And the last thing I would ever want anyone to feel is that in any way I'm anti-family. <laughs> Absolutely not. Family is beautiful. But let's remember to have compassion, to have eyes to see like Jesus, and to love our spiritual family the way God has called us to. And just as I close, can I remind you again of your value? When Jesus calls you brother, calls you sister, calls you daughter, calls you son, he's inviting you into family because you matter that much to him. You matter. And your gifts matter because you're a body part here. And we at Bridgeway, we need your gifts. We need what you bring. You are a part of this body. So I encourage you on that journey. Be a part of the spiritual family. Darren preached a few weeks ago on membership. And I just want to bring that up again. You know, membership, again, it's not about getting people on a list. It's not about an institutional thing to try to square people in. No, it's about a covenant and a commitment to a local body to say, hey, I'm a part of this family. And not only am I committed to and a part of this family, but I'm going to use my gift in this family. I'm going to be a body part in this family. And I don't care if you feel like a left nostril (laughs) or whether you think that you might be an important eye or a hand. See, again, that doesn't matter. It's whatever part you are. You are incredibly valuable to this family and needed here. And be a part of it in any way you can. So, with all that, let's bow in prayer. Well, Lord, again, I thank you so much for this family. And I just, again, praise you and celebrate the families who are celebrating the children today. What a gift. Oh, Lord, may we honor you and honor them with that gift today. And Lord, I thank you for this spiritual family called Bridgeway Community Church. Lord, thank you that you have arranged this family exactly according to your will. And Lord, that in this family, the gifts are present for what you want to accomplish here. And so I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you will fill and empower and fan into flame the gifts that are in this room. Lord, that every body part will come alive and contribute And Lord, that we truly can see your kingdom come and your will be done in this place. So, oh Lord, empower Bridgeway Community Church and each one who calls this their church home. Lord, I pray for those in our congregation who may be hurting, feeling lonely, feeling disconnected, not feeling part of this family. Oh Lord, I pray that you would forgive us when we unknowingly give off that vibe and Lord, we don't want to, Lord, forgive us. But Lord, I pray that you would give us all your heart, Jesus, your eyes to see people around us, to see our family around us. And Lord, open up our hearts, open up our families, open up our friendship groups. 
And Lord, may we be that kind of church that people come through these doors and just don't just get a, a friendly smile and a handshake, but they're known, they're valued, they're loved, they're welcomed. They can be part of the family. So, oh, Holy Spirit, do that miracle in our midst. Lord, we confess that we're weak, we're human, we struggle. But Lord, I pray that you would just do your work in us. Raise your gifts up here, Lord, to truly be your church. So Lord, thank you for calling us brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. Oh, Spirit of God, let your love and value of your children be so real and evident today. So all this we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If I could ask you as we close to all stand. <clears throat> and I would like to ask us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And let me just say again that if you're not familiar with the words of this prayer, no worries. Just close your eyes, listen, and pray these words in your heart. But if you do know the traditional version of the Lord's Prayer, I'll invite you to pray it along with me as we close our service. So, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's favor and face shine upon you, and may he give you peace. Bless you as you go from this place today.